The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Hello, Tabernacle. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I want to welcome you to our service today. Uh, especially if you're joining us either online or you're listening, uh, we want to extend our welcome to you. If you're watching live, if you're right here in T2, you're probably a little bit disturbed right now because I'm on the screen and I'm not on the stage. Now, I don't want anybody to panic. Uh, let's not go running for the doors yet. Uh, we're trying something a little bit different. And uh, uh, as our history shows us, we're trying something a little bit different that could fail. This could be an absolute disaster. So I hope you don't go running for the door. Uh, We think a sermon is a sermon, whether you're watching it live or you're watching it on a screen. And I think those that uh, have been watching sermons online uh, through our website uh, would attest to that as well. So uh, like I said, this could fail. This could be a huge disaster. It wouldn't be our first. Remember when uh, we preached from that side of the stage, that only lasted a couple of uh, weeks. That was my idea. That was a fail. That was a miserable fail. Uh, We've had some other ones in the history of our church. Um, we tried to do multi-site once where uh, we were holding a service in the big gym right here in Buckley. I wouldn't necessarily call it a fail, but it didn't last more than about a year. We kind of got tired of that, but we learned a ton from that. And we ended up uh, back in what we call T1. We also did a multi-site service for a while in Mesic. Uh, for another year, and that was awesome as well. We learned a ton from that, but you know, there's some people that would say, well, that was a little bit of a fail because here we are uh, back, uh, you know, here in Buckley. However, we find ourselves as a church, God's calling us again to do some big things, and and we're starting this campus in Manistee where uh, we feel like he's calling us to be one church in two locations, and as I've said before, that could fail. That could be a defeat. We might, you know, just go up in a huge cloud of smoke. Uh, And that's okay, uh, because we feel like we're following God. We're going where he wants us uh, to be. And so here we are. We're going to try this on a screen, because if we are going to make it as a a multi-site church, as a a church that is one church in two locations, uh, some of us are going to have to get used to seeing a service on a screen. So buckle up, let's see how it goes, and hopefully the whole roof won't cave in. It's fitting that we're talking about failure and talking about defeat because we're in Joshua chapter 8, and and we really pick up the story of Joshua at a time when the children of Israel, led by Joshua, have just experienced a huge defeat, a huge failure, you could say. Remember, after the huge victory in Jericho, uh, God's people had, had faced a, you know, a small little village, a little hamlet. Maybe it's a small town, whatever. It's called Ai, and they were defeated there. It wasn't nearly as powerful as Jericho. It didn't have nearly uh, the, the strength of the walls or an army. And Joshua sent uh, 5,000 guys to go take care of Ai, and they were defeated. They were humiliated. The children of Israel ran in fear. Many of them were killed. And then there's more defeat and more failure because God revealed to Joshua that it was because of sin in Israel's camp that he allowed this defeat and the failure. So it's discouragement on top of defeat, on top of failure. 
And then last week we looked at the horrendous trial and execution of the perpetrator of that sin. The one who had kept some of the spoils of war from Jericho. He wasn't supposed to. His name was Achan and and he disobeyed God and disobeyed Joshua and hid a robe and some gold and silver in his tent. And because of that he paid with his life and everyone in his family was stoned to death with him. And so that's where we pick up the story. It's after a defeat. It's after failure. Joshua, no doubt, was discouraged. The children of Israel, no doubt, were discouraged. This was a tough time. Now, I don't know about you, but I know a little bit about discouragement. Maybe you know something about discouragement. Maybe you've felt defeated before. I know I've felt defeated before. You know, I know it's hard to imagine, but I've faced some defeats. After all, I am the pastor of a church of barbarians in northern Michigan. There's defeat sometimes. There's mistakes that are made. I listed some of them for you already. I've failed before. You know, you spend any time... uh, Maybe online or if you've ever heard a motivational speaker or just uh, read a book. You know, there, there's some famous fails that we're reminded of. In fact, you know, a lot of teachers or speakers will use these famous fails to try to encourage us. You know, I remember being in history class and, and being told that Abraham Lincoln, you know, how many times he failed. He failed in life. He failed in business. He failed in politics. But he just kept trying and kept trying. And eventually, Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States. And we say, oh, what a great victory, right? We say that he achieved victory from this defeat. You know, I'm told that Bill Gates, who is the wealthiest man in the world, or one of them at least, uh, that he actually uh, dropped out of Harvard, that he flunked out, right? But then because he kept trying, he kept going, he went on to become you know, the Microsoft billionaire that we know as Bill Gates. And there's all types of stories like this. Probably the most famous one, and it's fitting because we're in the middle of March, is the story of Michael Jordan, who was famously cut from his eighth grade basketball team. But he went on later because he kept trying, and he went on to make varsity and eventually to play college ball and win a national championship. And then I think he won some more championships at a team in Chicago, maybe. So we hear these stories, at least I do, of failures and people that never quit, and then we're told, persevere, and then you can achieve victory. The problem is, is although I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor, I'm not Michael Jordan, and I'm not Bill Gates, although I'd like to be, not really, and I'm not Abraham Lincoln. I don't have that success in politics. I don't have that natural ability as a computer programmer. I don't have that natural athletic ability. I I know it's hard to imagine, and it'd be easy. You're watching on the screen. The camera uh, uh, adds five pounds, I'm told, but I'm not that guy. And, and then when I'm in the, you know, the spiritual journey, this thing called life, and I'm trying to love God, and I'm trying to love people, I'm trying to cut out sin of my life, be a better husband, be a better father, be a better brother, a better disciple. You know, where is all that perseverance stuff when I face discouragement, when I face defeat, when I fail? Well, that's where we pick up the story with Joshua 
In Joshua chapter 8, we see that victory is possible after defeat. That victory can come from defeat. In fact, similar to those stories, probably the most important thing after defeat is the next thing you do. In the middle of failure, in the middle of discouragement, it's what happens next that matters most. And so we pick up the story in chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai. For I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king, but this time you may keep the plunder and the livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the town. So we're coming right out of defeat, right out of failure. Joshua's discouraged, and the very first thing we see is the Lord says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. You know, how many times do we see the God of Israel repeating those words to his people? How many times at the beginning of this epic journey of Joshua did he say to Joshua, be strong and be courageous? Here he is again, the same God saying, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. See, we can get some clues from that. When we're in the midst of discouragement or failure or defeat, God hasn't left us. God hasn't abandoned Joshua and he hasn't abandoned John Vermilia, and he hasn't abandoned you. And here's his voice saying, do not be afraid or discouraged. The assumption is, is that Joshua is now afraid and he is discouraged and he has cause to be. What's he supposed to do in the next battle? How does he know there's not another Achan waiting to trip up everybody by his own selfish sin, by the sin that's in the camp? Joshua can't control everybody. And here's God saying, do not be afraid or discouraged. Then he says this, take all your fighting men and attack. He says attack. You discouraged? You're feeling defeated? You're a little bit afraid? He says attack. And he says this time, take everyone. And in this battle, which I'm going to give you, I've already given it to you, you get to keep everything. Now we have to pause right there and just look at that for a second because that's what sets this apart from the previous two battles. Remember at Jericho, the first battle, that, that fortified city that protected the land of Canaan, God had said, all of it's devoted to me. It's people to death because of God's wrath against their sin. And all of the plunder was to belong to the tabernacle, belong to God. All of that belonged to God. This time at Ai, he says, we're still going to devote all these people to death because of their sin and the wrath of God, but all the plunder you get to keep. And this time, I want you to take everyone. Remember at Ai, they didn't take everyone. They underestimated Ai and they overestimated their own strength. That's what led to the defeat and the failure, at least part of it in the first place. It was the sin in the camp that caused it, but they also misjudged what they were doing. Human beings tend to do that. We tend to misjudge. We tend to make mistakes. Can anyone agree? Have you ever made a mistake? And so that is what happened in the last battle. But now God's saying, attack. Take 
everyone with you. You get to keep everything. I want you to set an ambush. Now it's an interesting thought before we move on. Why this time do they get to keep everything? Personally, and this is a bunny trail worth going down, I believe it's because the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. The God in the Old Testament instructed his people to always give the first fruits of their produce, the first fruits of the money that God provided for them, the first fruits of their paycheck go to God. It's called a tithe. And the same God instructs us in the New Testament that the first fruits of whatever God provides for us that we can make, what we make as a living, also belong to God. Paul wrote, on the first day of the week, set aside a sum in keeping with your income and that's what you bring to the church. Jericho was the first fruits of this land called Canaan and so all of it belonged to God because from Ai to the end of the book, all the rest of the plunder of That land God gave to the people. And the ironic thing is, is if Achan would have just trusted God, sorry, I'm going back two sermons ago, but if Achan would have just trusted God, he could have had all the plunder. My son Benji and I were reading this story in in, in the translation that, that we were reading from in his Bible book, it called it all the loot. Achan could have had all the loot. But Achan didn't want to do it God's way. And that's why all of this defeat and failure and discouragement was on the people in the first place. But we got to hustle. Verse 3. It says, So Joshua and all the fighting men set out to attack Ai. Joshua chose 30,000 of his best warriors and sent them out at night with these orders. Hide an ambush close behind the town and be ready for action. When our main army attacks, the men of Ai will come out to fight as they did before, and we will run away from them. We will let them chase us until we have drawn them away from the town. For they will say that Israelites are running away from us as they did before. Then, while we are running from them, you will jump up from your ambush and take possession of the town. For the Lord your God will give it to you. Set the town on fire. As the Lord has commanded, you have your orders. So I think what's significant for us right there is that God sets the strategy. God sets the battle plan. God tells them exactly what to do. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. You're going to attack and you're going to follow my battle plan. And the battle plan is we're going to ambush the enemy. We're going to ambush this defeat. We're going to ambush this town. And so what we learn from this is that's exactly what Joshua did. He, he receives orders from God. He passes the orders on to the people. And he, he sets aside 30,000 of his best troops and he sends them around to the back of the town. Now, in order for it to be an ambush, they had to take the long way around. And I'm guessing that they probably went at night. So unnotes to the king and the inhabitants of Ai, there's 30,000 troops behind them. And then Joshua advances. And what we learn in the next verses is that Joshua and the entire army march out together and then they camp for the night. And then Joshua sets one more ambush because there's another town close by called Bethel. And so he sends another detachment of soldiers of 5,000 to cut off any hope of retreat. And the plan's really very simple. 
You can read the rest of this chapter uh, later on today or tonight. And, and, and basically what, what the plan is, is with two ambushes set, the major force with Joshua presents itself in front of Ai. And then the king of Ai, thinking, oh, the same thing's going to happen. They're going to run, comes out, rushes them in an attack. Joshua and his army are going to retreat as if they're frightened and discouraged and dismayed, drawing the army out. And when they do, the ambushes are sprung and they'll flood into the city, set it on fire, and then capture the enemy army in a pincer's movement just like that. That's the plan. That's God's plan. That's what God sets up for them. And that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. In fact, we pick it up in verse 16. This is after Joshua's army is starting to retreat. It says, then all the men in the town, that's Ai, were called out to chase after them. In this way, they were lured away from the town. There was not a man left in Ai or Bethel who did not chase after the Israelites. And the town was left wide open. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Point the spear in your hand toward Ai, for I will hand the town over to you. Joshua did as he was commanded. Now, as soon as Joshua gave this signal, all the men in ambush jumped up from their position and poured into the town. They quickly captured it and set it on fire. When the men of Ai looked behind them, smoke from the town was filling the sky and they had nowhere to go. For the Israelites who had fled in the direction of the wilderness now turned on their pursuers. When Joshua and all the other Israelites saw that the ambush had succeeded and that smoke was rising from the town, they turned and attacked the men of Ai. Meanwhile, the Israelites who were inside the town came out and attacked the enemy from the rear. So the men of Ai were caught in the middle with Israelite fighters on both sides. Israel attacked them and not a single person survived or escaped only the king of ai was taken alive and brought to joshua so from the jaws of defeat we get victory a victory comes from this defeat the moment joshua's spear comes up that's the signal following god's battle plan and they defeat the stronghold of ai not just a little bit completely the town is destroyed it's completely plundered and the entire enemy force is killed every single one of them in fact the only one taken alive is the king and what we learn about the king down in verse 29 it says that joshua impaled the king of ai on a sharpened pole yikes and he left him there until evening In some translations it says, and Joshua hung him from a tree. So whether he was impaled on a pole, ow, or hung from a tree, either way, he was publicly executed outside the city gates. It says at sunset, the Israelites took down the body as Joshua commanded and threw it in front of the town gate. And they piled a great heap of stones over him that can still be seen today so how did we get this victory from the defeat of last week how did we get this victory from the defeat of ai the first time 
more importantly for us here today, how can I achieve victory from the defeats that I face? How can I achieve victory in the middle of my failure? How can I achieve victory when I'm discouraged and when I'm down? Now, I don't know what it is that each one of us bring here to the tabernacle. I don't know what each person who's listening or watching online, I don't know what defeat or failure or discouragement you might be facing, but I want you to know it's important to God. The same God that whispers to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. He's whispering the same to you. Whether the defeat or the discouragement is sin, maybe it's a situation, maybe it's, maybe it's not your sin, maybe it's sin that someone has committed against you. Maybe it's just being beaten up by life. Maybe it's the fact as one guy told me this week, man, I'm just getting old and I'm feeling like I'm irrelevant. I'm feeling like there's no place for me at church and I don't, who are all these new people and I'm, I'm just discouraged. And he wants victory, but he's feeling defeated. How do we get victory from defeat? I see three things in here for us. Three things that we can learn from the battle, the second battle of AI. Number one is I think if you're in the midst of feeling discouraged, if you're in the midst of a failure, if you're just coming off something like that, besides the fact that we hear God saying, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, I have not abandoned you. The first thing I see is that it's time to go on the attack. It's time to go on the attack. Why do I say that? That's the exact same thing that God said to Joshua. You lost the first battle of AI. Joshua, you're going to lay there and you're going to lick your wounds. Or, you know, you've just had this horrendous trial. You had to put Achan to death. You're discouraged. We're going to stop. We're going to give up. We're going to quit. No, he says, go on the attack. Go on the attack. Similar to when Joshua was on his face trying to figure out why they'd lost the first time. He says, get up. There's sin in the camp. Now he's saying, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. Get up. Go on the attack. You say, attack who? You know, I'm feeling defeated. I feel like I fail. I'm discouraged. What do, do I attack somebody? No, we don't attack somebody. But all fear, all discouragement, all defeat comes from our enemy, Satan, sin, and death. It's the gates of hell that want us discouraged. It's Satan that wants us living in fear. And the sad thing is, I think some of us, even though we're Christians, we might even be Christian for a long time, we just kind of accept it as, well, that's just the way life is. We just accept disappointment. We just accept that things aren't going to go well. We just accept that, you know, all that promise of joy and real life, that's not for me, that's for someone else. What I think God's saying to us today, what he's saying to me, what he's saying to our church, what he's saying to you as an individual, you want victory from, de- from a defeat? Go on the attack. Do something. Make a move. Is it sin? Well, how do we attack that sin? Is it a bad relationship? Well, how do we fix it? Did I cause it? Well, maybe I need to go... And ask forgiveness. 
Is it someone that's offended you? Maybe we actually need to do what it says in Matthew chapter 18 and actually go to the person instead of going to Facebook or going to someone else and just feeling even worse about yourself because not only were you offended, but now you're gossiping about it. Don't compound sin and discouragement with more sin and discouragement. Attack it. Confront it. And all those things require faith. When God said to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be, a, do not be discouraged, Take everyone and attack. He knew that would require faith. He's saying, have faith in me. Believe in me. Keep moving forward. My friends, if you're facing discouragement, if you're living in fear, if you're coming off a defeat or a failure, attack, attack. Get up, believe in the one who promised he would be with us to the very ends of the age. That's a promise. Jesus said it. Go on the attack if you want to achieve victory from defeat. Here's the second thing that I see in here. Just like with Joshua, the same thing is for us. To achieve victory from defeat, we have to follow his orders. We have to follow his orders. It isn't enough just to attack. There's a lot of people that'll help you attack problems. There's a lot of people that will help you attack an addiction. There's a lot of books that have been written in Dr. Phil and Oprah that'll help you, you know, make a move and lose five pounds and whatever. There's a lot of different ways to attack. When I say go on the attack, it's, it's with his battle plan in mind. Follow his orders. Don't follow his orders. Don't follow your orders. We don't see Joshua going, you know, God, uh, ambush, good idea. But I had a better idea. Hey, I've got a different plan. No, God says, this is how we're going to do it. You're going to take everyone and you're going to set an ambush. And we see in the passage, that's exactly what Joshua did. We're going to set an ambush. That's how, in fact, we're going to set two. And we're not going to just use a little bit of our capacity. We're going to use everything we have. You guys, this is so important because I see it all the time. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my own family. I see it in my friends. I see it in people that call this church their church home. I see it in churches all over the United States. We decide we're gonna go on the attack. I'm gonna do something about this defeat. I want a victory. But then the orders we follow, we take some of God's and a lot of ours and then we wonder why we're still defeated. Or we go on the attack and we don't consult God at all. We say, no, you know what? I believe in God, but I'm going to do it my own way. Hey, thanks for the battle plan. I'm going to leave that right over here and I'm just going to try to figure it out. Or, and this is the one that kills me, is we keep trying the same approach over and over and over to face this discouragement or to deal with our sin or to deal with the things that are causing us defeat, and we just go about it the same way over and over and over, and we never get a different result. Now, I know what many of you are thinking right now. It's this, this is where we talk about the definition of insanity, right? Supposedly, and I, I hear this quoted all the time, I've even said it, that the definition of insanity is when you do the same thing over and over and over and expect a different result. You've heard that, right? Do you know that's not the definition of insanity at all? Of course, we just say it over and over and over. Sorry, that's a different message. But the point is the same. 
You do the same thing over and over and over. Your plan, Dr. Phil's plan, your cousin Bill's plan, right? The wisdom of the world's plan. You follow all these other strategies that got you in the defeat space or or the discouragement space in the first place. And you're expecting a different result? I don't know if you're insane. I just call it foolish. Yeah, it's foolish. And many Christians, myself included, we waste a lot of time living foolishly. God says, go on the attack and follow my plan. You want victory from defeat? Follow my plan. What does my plan look like? Well, There's a lot of it in here, but it involves loving God with everything I have. It involves loving my neighbor. That includes forgiving them. That includes being generous with them. That means being selfless with myself. Part of his plan involves making disciples. Part of his plan involves this place, the church. Be a part of a community where you can be known and you can know others, where you can have fellowship and relationship. Why am I so lonely? Well, God gave you the church. I don't like that plan. I'm going to stick to my plan. I'm going to try to find friends and and cure loneliness and all this discouragement that comes with it my way. And God's sitting here going, I gave you a family of which I am the head. It's called the church. And we say, well, I go to church, but we never really engage with the church. And I know here I go again, trying to get you involved. But God's plan is real specific of how we can attack the defeats. And that's just one example. But the discouragement and the failure that we face. And it always involves making a move. That's our faith. And then doing it his way. That requires faith too. You know, something interesting about this battle that I didn't point out before. Is both Joshua... And the king of Ai, they both attacked. Both Joshua and the king of Ai put all their forces in. Everything they had available to them. Joshua was instructed, take everyone. And he did. All of his fighting force. The scriptures that I read to you, Ai's king did the same thing. When he saw uh, Joshua running away, he called for all the men to come out of the town. So they both attack. And they're both all in. But only one was victorious. Why? Joshua was following God's plan. He was following his orders. He wasn't going with human wisdom. He wasn't going with the strategies of the world. He wasn't doing the same thing that had got him in that situation in the first place. Victory from defeat happens when we go on the attack and we follow his orders. And that means with everything we have and everything that's available to me, all of the resources, all of it. That's how they achieve victory. There's one more part to it. Victory from defeat also comes only when we fight to the finish. When we fight to the finish. So many of us. We start strong. But we don't finish well. We start strong for a little while. But then a little bit of discouragement comes. Or a battle like AI happens. Or there's a defeat. And then we just throw up our hands. And we just give up. 
We're the culture of we want everything now and we want it yesterday if we can have it and we want it my way and on our terms. The problem is, is he's a for real God. And if he has a plan and he says the plan requires everything that you have, everything that's available to you, and and it's going to require an ambush in this case, he wants you to see it through to the end. Victory from defeat comes when we fight this battle that we're called to fight to the finish. We go on the attack, we follow his orders, and then we fight to the finish. We saw Joshua do that. Joshua holds out his spear that initiates the ambush, that initiates the battle. And then it says that he continued to hold out that spear until everyone and everything was either destroyed or plundered. All the way to the end. He could have said, well, let's, you know, leave a little escape route. Uh, Let's not burn everything. I'd kind of like some of that for myself. He even could have pardoned the king of Ai, but he didn't. He fought to the finish. He finished the game. He finished it all the way to the end. To the execution of that king and to his burial. And he hung that king on a tree and then buried his body with those rocks. You know, that reminds me of a scripture. There's another leader who fought a fight. This is the apostle Paul. In his letter to Timothy, one of his last letters that he wrote, here's a man that faced discouragement. Here's a man that faced defeat. Here's a man who faced failure. But for the sake of God and his son, Jesus Christ, went on the attack for the kingdom of God. No matter what the cost, diligently following his orders, diligently believing he was called to make disciples of all nations, diligently believing that that included Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. When God told him to go to the Gentiles, he went to the Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. Most of us here are Gentiles. Aren't you glad that he followed his orders and went to the Gentiles? It was a long, hard fight. And in this last letter, this is what he wrote for us. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, it says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Do you look forward to that appearing? Are you and I fighting that fight? Are we on the attack? Are we following his orders and are we willing to fight to the finish no matter what the finish looks like? You see, we live in the New Covenant and the New Testament. And you know what the finish was for Paul? The finish for Paul was, ecu- was execution. He was martyred for the faith. But that wasn't the prize he was looking for. The loot of this world was not what appealed to him. Paul speaks of a prize that all of us are promised. The victory promised from all of this defeat called the sin-filled life in this wicked place we call home. Paul's saying, I fought the fight. He's been on the attack. I finished the race. I've kept the faith, 
right? That's what you and I are called to do. And that's how victory comes from defeat. You know, and there's some that might even say, well, you know, I think I'm doing all that stuff. Why am I still discouraged? Well, the battle's not over yet, is it? We're not done yet, are we? While there's breath in our lungs, while our hearts beat in our chests, the battle is not done and we're called to finish the fight. To fight all the way to the end. To fight to the finish. That's what we're called to do. Because there's a prize that's waiting for us. So I don't know what defeat or discouragement or failure you might be facing right now. But there's a promise all throughout scripture that there's victory. In the book of Romans it says we are more than conquerors. And this is how. Not by sitting and waiting and hoping and just praying. There's a time to sit and rest and wait and pray. But after defeat, in the midst of failure and discouragement, there's also a time to attack, to do something about it. You know, we like to say at our church that we're trying to attack the gates of hell with squirt guns. You know, a man just told me this past week, he said, John, I really appreciated when you first started to talk about manistee and the vision there that you said, you know what, we don't know how it's going to end and it may not turn out great. Now, I... I believe it's what God's called us to do, but I'm also not God. God might have another idea. He might have another plan. I'm not sure, but this is where we're going and we're going to attack. We're going to attack the gates of hell. We're going to attack Satan, sin, and death wherever we find our enemy because we're called to be a people following our king and go on the attack. Those were his orders to build his church, to make more disciples. That's why we can't lose. That's why we can't lose as a church. We may start going in this direction and the door might close. Okay, we're going to go in that direction and the door might close there. We're just going to keep going in circles and we find a door that's open or a window. But we're on the attack. We're following his orders and we're going to fight to the finish. I would rather be the pastor of a church who collectively we're fighting to the finish We're going to go down swinging. We're going to keep reaching. We're going to be ambitious for the kingdom. And if we're called to be that as a church, I believe we're called to be that way individually as well. That's who Jesus was. When Jesus saw us in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our defeat, he didn't avoid it. He made a move. He went on a mission. He followed his father's orders and he came to earth. He fought to the finish all the way to the end. He went all the way to the cross, all the way to the grave. And he achieved the victory. And he's the reason that we're here. He's the reason that you and I can experience victory in the midst of defeat. We can experience victory when we're discouraged. We can experience victory after we fail. And that's hope. So do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Do something about it. That's my hope for you. That's my hope for me. That's my hope for us this week.
What can you do with this message? It's real practical and tactical. Whatever you're facing, what's it look like for you to go on the attack? What's that look like for you? What's it look like to follow his orders? Maybe you don't know the orders. Maybe you can find someone who does. But together we can get after it and we can apply this to our lives. And then finally, we can fight to the finish. As a church, as individuals, as families, we're called to fight this out to the finish. Because this is the most important fight that we could ever be in and there's victory that's been promised. Would you pray with me today? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the example of Joshua. God, I thank you for the victory that you gave to your people right after they faced defeat. But God, I pray for us today on this side of history that God, whatever discouragement, whatever failure, whatever defeat that your people are facing here, God, that we would hear your voice saying, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That we could know that you're with us. That with your orders as our guide, with your battle plan, we can go on the attack. God, would you give us the strength and courage to fight to the finish. No matter what it costs, no matter how long it takes. No matter if we see victory on this side of glory or on the other. We know what you have promised. And so God, help us to be faithful to that. God, it's in Jesus' name we pray, our great God and King. Amen.